Hi and welcome. My name is Brendan Kelly. I'm joined in the studio today by Perry Martin. Welcome, Perry. Welcome, Brendan. Welcome, listeners and viewers. Today's conversation I'm actually really quite excited about. It's an extension of our last podcast. Well, basically, it was about being a highest dollar productive zone. Um, we know for a fact that really good quality entrepreneurs use their time different, uh, differently to average business owners. They realize that every hour that they work uh, must return uh, high financial amounts, which is why we call it your highest dollar productive zone. So they're really effective at working out what tasks produce the greatest outcome, who should do those tasks, what their own strengths are, what their gifts are, so that every hour that they work, they're in those gifts and strengths, which means they're enjoying themselves, motivation's high, they tend to be good at what they do. And when they select staff, they select staff on their unique gifts and strengths and give tasks to them so that everyone in the business is working in an area that they love and enjoy and tend to be good at, which of course creates operational efficiencies, great cultures and more profit. Which is brilliant and obviously makes the best use of your time. Now, part of that or an extension of that, a source of that and, and why you'd want to. Um, concept, good people of the world, just as an idea, good people of the world recognise that they have strengths and weaknesses and the good people of the world work on their weaknesses in order to be a better human being all round. Great people of the world recognise they have strengths and weaknesses and great people of the world work on their strengths and delegate their weaknesses. And that's what we're talking about and what we were talking about in that podcast last week. It was all about being able to work on your strengths and being your highest dollar productive zone. To support that for you this week, we're talking about how you can be more efficient, how you can cost-effectively get into delegating that which you are not good at, generally avoid, don't want to play with, or that which you procrastinate on, which causes a delay in the progress you're looking to achieving. So, Perry, you've put out there, and, and you have a, a cheat sheet, you have a, a something for people to get started with on what to look for, for being able to delegate those things cheaply and efficiently so you can spend more time in your highest dollar productive zone. Can you share that with us? I can, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Just want to quickly say, Brendan, and why we're doing this is because typically, certainly starting out business owners, they want to do everything themselves. And the moment you say, hey, just start working more on your strengths and delegate to other team members, they go, oh, but I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. And of course, you know, you've got to take into account your financial situation. Um, but typically, we live in a world that no longer has borders and barriers, meaning that I can run a business here in Australia and I can employ people in other countries where their hourly rate is way lower than ours. It's a fact that when you employ people in Australia, you're paying some of the highest wages in the world, and that can be grueling to businesses just starting out. So this cheat sheet is a cheat sheet that you can use to maximise uh, the potential of getting a really, really good contract offshore using some of the freelance sites. Now, the freelance sites, just so we can be really clear here, so you've got the likes of Upworks, Oworks, uh, Fiverr. They're intermediate trees where 
contractors of all types, marketing specialists, social media marketing specialists, uh, spreadsheet specialists, accountants, basically any service you need in your business, uh, people from all around the world, contractors will join these sites. You can go to these sites. You can find good quality people, uh, contractors at cheap rates. But without knowing the information we're about to share with you, it's really, really easy to make a mistake. So this will shorten your learning curve and give you some protection in the hire process. In looking to expand your business, in looking to work in your highest dollar productive zone, one of the most important things is to get people who can do the job and do it effectively. The role, if you're new to business, about employing somebody is, is sometimes daunting, daunting uh, and, and a little overwhelming. Um, and there's a nervousness about picking the right people. And if you're looking to employ somebody in your company on a permanent basis, that becomes a paramount and significant decision. But what if we can contract it out? What if we can do short-term part-time contracts that allow you to get jobs done um, that, that don't require all of the, the implications of a full-time employment or, full, or permanent part-time employee? And we can do that through these contracting sites that Perry was talking about. Of course, the trick then is knowing if you've got 7 billion people in the world who can possibly do jobs for you, how do you get the right ones? How do you find the ones that are going to make a difference versus ones that are just okay versus ones that are promoting themselves over promising, but under deliver. And what are the significant points you need to satisfy in your employment of these contractors? I guess that for me and, and Perry, if you can add anything here, I'd, I'd really appreciate it. But for me, the two things that you'd want is delivery on time and quality in delivery. They're the two key criterias. If you're looking to get somebody and you invest the time and the money to get somebody to do something and what comes back isn't of quality and didn't come back on time, you're right back where you started from and you've got to go again, which is lost time, lost effort. If you can get it right the first time or at least evolve a relationship that is, is improving over time, that would be better. Perry, other than on time and in full and quality, is there anything that, that you think that, people need to consider in assessing others for output or for the contractors? Now, those two things are the only outcomes you want. Um, there's some other information that I'd like to share though that will help people in the selection process that are, that's not on this cheat sheet. Um, the first one is when you start to employ people offshore, there's a couple of things you want to keep in mind. And these are uh, experiences uh, through my experience that I, I, I've come to really cherish the importance of these two things. So the first one, when you're employing, because this cheat sheet I'm about to take everybody through pretty much guarantees that they get what you've just said, Brendan, which contractors is who deliver on time and who deliver uh, quality work pretty much guarantees it. Okay. But there are some other factors you want to think about. So the first one, is time zones. So I have employed in the past uh, uh, contractors out of India of exceptional talent and ex exceptional intelligence. However, it makes my life a nightmare because they basically run on a different time zone to us. Mm. So first thing to think about is employing people from time zones that is similar to your own because it just will make life uh, way nicer for you. There's nothing worse, I don't think, than getting up at five in the morning to have a meeting. Uh, 
Um. <laughs> unless, unless you are currently full-time employed, you're starting to build the business and it's better that you do things outside hours, in which case the converse is true. Pick a time zone that works for the hours that you're working, the hours that you want to put into it, which good is point. brilliant. Yeah, good point. Uh, second thing to be very aware of is language. If you can't speak the native tongue of your contractor, you really want to ensure that they have very good written or oral English. Uh, the, the criteria we've gone through sort of helps you pick this up, but oftentimes it's worth checking. In the early days, I would employ uh, people who had amazing ratings, and we're going to talk about how you use rating systems in a second. Um, but their English wasn't fantastic. And what that meant was there were communication breakdowns. And anyone in business knows there's communication breakdowns. You'll spend quite a bit of effort and energy just ensuring people understand. Or, and, and if you know that, that they struggle with English, then what happens is, you know, you tend to sort of move into this micromanaging mode, always ensuring they know. And that's all uncomfortable and a waste of time. So, uh, again, Make sure you pick people in timeframes that suit you and who have really, really good spoken English. Now, a point of interest on that, um, in an inquiry I made some time ago around seeking uh, a, a virtual assistant, uh, uh, some contractor support offshore, um, it was suggested that you can actually get companies with native language um, managers. So for Aussies, us, um, there are Australian companies that are overseas that do this sort of work. So if you have a contact that's Australian in another country that can directly govern your work and make sure the language is fine between the person doing the job and the contact that you have, that's equally great because the language in the communication is already in place with somebody that you're comfortably familiar with as a first language speaker. Yeah. Fair point. Uh, by the way, Philippines. In the Philippines, they have, typically the contractors have excellent English. Philippines uh, understood that a lot of their uh, people would end up outsourcing to English-speaking countries, so they have an amazing education system around the English language. So you can actually get Filip Filipinos who speak English as well as you and I do, Brandon. Brilliant. Okay. So in all of these systems, and there's three here, elance.com, guru.com, odesk.com, and Fiverr's another one, fiverr.com, that's F-I-V-E-R-R.com. They all run rating systems for the contractors. And I love these rating systems, but before we go, I'm going to tell you how people have tried to warp the rating system. It's really important <laughs> to understand that. Okay. Well, it is, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen some. And I also want to talk about some cultural challenges between uh, Australia and many of the Asian uh, countries. So uh, the first thing that you want to do is you want to find a contractor that has a high number of reviews overall. So when you start to research the contractors, you'll see that some people may have only done three jobs that have three reviews. Where if someone's been on one of these freelance sites, say elance.com for 10 years, and they have 800 reviews, and then you know that you have a statistical advantage because you can really see the reviews of thousands of jobs or hundreds of jobs. 
So reviews become important. Reviews also build reputation for contractors. So if you have a contractor that is generally earning a good living or learning a lifestyle, supplementing their own income and, and enjoying that, um, and have since have had some success with that, then their reputation within the industry, within that environment, that within the system carries weight for them for winning more jobs. It makes their ability to earn money easier. So they'll do a good job. They recognize the value of a good review, the value of a, of a delivery on time, build a reputation within the industry such that they win more job more easily. And they're not hankering for work. They're not, they're not asking for work or trying to, uh, or, or going without. Correct. And just for those that don't know, if you're an absolute beginner to the uh, contracting world, the reviews are, are published by people like me. So once you've finished a job with a contractor, you have to re review that contractor. And this, this and what you've just communicated brings me to what I consider a really important point, Brendan. Uh, I like employing contractors that are working within these systems and are getting reviewed because they're really nervous about getting a bad review. Mm. So they tend to operate their entire life like a business owner. A business owner, uh, you know, you, you live and die by, by your achievements for clients. Where when you employ someone, uh, say here in Australia, oftentimes that person might be thinking, oh, you know, I've uh, 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 I've got my security, I've got my comfort. They don't think like business owners. And so contractors tend to think like business owners, act like business owners, so they're on their toes all the time when it comes to fulfilling their clients' needs. So if you've got a high number of reviews, let's say a contractor's got 100 reviews, and then um, they have a high number of stars, say 4.5 and over, because star ratings uh, are usually we're usually out of five by the way everyone that's brendan's he's usually the real accurate one but he's left that spelling <laughs> mistake in there not me um, <laughs> um <laughs> yeah so 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 you know if you've got a contractor that say got a hundred reviews and 98 percent of those reviews are four star and over then the statistical likelihood of them being able to deliver on your project is high Okay, versus someone that's got three jobs and two reviews at over four. Yeah, yeah, you're yep. looking for consistency and reliability. Yeah, now, so sometimes there's young guns that look at the jobs only 15 bucks and the young guns there and I can see their portfolio and you know, there's no risk. I'll back a young gun, but not if I'm getting software done or it's a long-term project of meaning. I'm going to be going for the high number of reviews um, with a high number of them being four star and over. Um, and then my accurate, my statistical, uh, just from a statistical perspective, they're likely to fulfill my requirements. Well, interesting that on point number two that you've got here, which is you not only want high reviews, you want high reviews in jobs similar to the one you're looking to satisfy. So Correct. high reviews in something that they may not be good at. Sorry. High reviews in something that they are good at that may not be what you're after is a fairly pointless exercise. You need high reviews in those things that are what you're looking to have satisfied. Co correct. And, and I think it's really important, coming back to that, even extending on it. So 
I'll tend to go through every review or a, a fair number of those reviews, looking for exactly what Brendan said, to make sure that the reviews for a job like mine, and then I'm also anal analyzing the reviewer, because as you know, in business, there's people that have had vast amounts of experience and then there's beginners. So it's easier for a beginner or someone with a, a, a less a complex job to give someone a high rating where if the business, a business owner has been in business for years, then they know what's good, what's not good. Uh, they've got high standards. It's a complex job. If it's a complex job, and you know you can see the kind of jobs that the the, the, the contract has been given. You know you can weight those reviews higher than say the business owners that you can pretty quickly tell through the reviews aren't super experienced business owners. Well, and don't have a lot of experience with contractors. Let's say. Because again, if you want to be nice to the contractor because you don't do it that frequently and you don't want to harm their reputation, you put something out there. But if you've got someone who has consistently used contractors frequently, they'll be going, you know what, I don't want you again. I'll gladly tell everybody exactly what's ha what, what the outcome was um, so that there is a, a, an honesty and a, a credibility to, as you say, those people who've been doing that for a while. C correct. Um, and you can see this point for a high number of working hours within the system. That's always an interesting one too, because typically, you know, the higher the number of views, the higher the number of working hours within the system, but it's not always the case. So um, as an example, um, you know, I will, I actually have contractors that, geez, they've worked for me for years from within these systems and I will only give them a rating once they've ended their contract, but they may have done a thousand hours with me over that period of time. Mm -hmm. So again, oftentimes when you see a large, a large hours or, or, or a conglomeration of hours, you know that person's been employable because the person's kept them on. People have mm -hmm. kept them on for the long term. The, the other aspect that I, I wanted to cover off on is another protection mechanism that you can use. So what we've been through is pretty basic and, and it, it, it gets used, you use the system of checking on, uh, on any of those freelance uh, 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 systems. But a, a very safe bet is to give the contractor that you are choosing a small job or three small jobs. Test so you them have, first. Yeah, you test them first. And again, that's just another insurance policy. So, you know, so as an example, I might sometimes have jobs where I've got to pay a contractor 10 grand um, to do some software work for me in, in, in our software development. And I'm definitely not uh, employing someone through any of the freelance systems for a 10 grand job straight off the bat without testing them with some smaller projects first. Mm. Okay, that's, a, that's just, a, just another level of insurance. So then what, if you scroll down a little bit further, what is it that is the key that we are looking for? And the answer is the ideal candidate is someone who has worked over 5,000 hours within a system with 40 reviews or more all over four and a half stars uh, in jobs that are similar to what you're after. If you satisfy that, then broadly speaking, you are in a position to give yourself the best chance of having a favorable outcome from a contracting experience. Correct. So Brendan, I wouldn't mind, so to me, that sort of finished that off. 
I'd sort of like to quickly talk about, you know, why you might want to employ someone or, or who you should employ. And I'd, I'd like to use a client case study if we could. I think that's a brilliant idea. Go. And how this might work. So I'm just going to stop sharing this. And by the way, anyone that's listening or watching, you'll have access to this. Just look below the video or the audio and you'll see a link that you can keep a copy. Or, or of, not. Or not. <laughs> uh, if the, if the, uh, the style of video delivery isn't working as, as uh, or doesn't allow the, the, the attachment, then basically take some screenshots and cut and paste. Yeah, great. Okay. So... You know, who do you want to employ through these freelance sites and why? Well, first of all, why you want to be delegating everything outside of your highest dollar productive zone so that you can stay in your money-making strengths and geniuses and your support from the likes of the freelance uh, um, websites you know, they're allowing you to do that. So quick case study, I work with someone that we actually both know, Brendan, uh, last week. And, you know, when they first went into business as a, a new business person, they were really motivated, really, really excited and absolutely inspired by what they were creating. And inspiring. And inspiring as they are. And we knew though that they would get to this point where they were overwhelmed because when you see that type of person getting into business, that's where they'll end up. They'll end up creating a whole bunch of, uh, of interest, uh, but their back-end systems won't be in place. And there'll be certain things that haven't been completed effectively and properly because they, you just run out of time. And you're you, starting out, idealistic, let's idealistic, ready, fire, aim. It's, ready, it's, fire, aim. It's brilliant. So what is the nature? There are four personality types. Where did the personality type of this person lie? Motivator and a trailblazer. So motivator quickly, very good uh, speaker, uh, very positive, uplifting person, got a real purpose about what they're doing, got a real vision. Um, trailblazer, and they, yeah, driven. Like driven, driven, and just want to be the best and reach the top. And so it, within that profile, you see... Uh, poor attention to detail and also a real sense that I can do it all myself. Uh, and again, you can't as a business person and it's actually stupid too, because if you can do everything yourself, it means that you're not working your highest dollar productive zone. So an important to say, cause you're going to have something to say this. I know <laughs> we, 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 we did not kill his motivation. We did not alert him to the fact that he would end up overburdened and we have to look at what he was doing with his team because we really wanted him to access his inspiration and really go for it, which he, he's done and, and, and done pretty well with. And I think you and I have talked about this in the past. You know, isn't it wonderful, Brendan, that you as idealistic, enthusiastic about a new business or a project um, because that idealism means you get right in there. That motivation means you get right in there. But if you've got an older head, like say Brendan and I have, you know, you, you get inspired. And the first thing I go is, do I have the time resources to, and, and the energy to even bother putting that into place? Because <laughs> if you are passionate about something, if you are driven, if you have a calling for something, um, 
and it is it is time for you to deliver on that. Absolutely time for you to deliver on that and go for it. But but I think Perry, the the, the words that spring to mind from what we're talking about now, ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. It, walking into the idea of I have a vision, a dream, I have a dream, and wanting to then move into that. Um, a lot of people starting out who are new and fresh in business, a lot of people starting out on new ideas have no real depth of knowledge around what it takes actually to deliver an outcome. And the whole promise of ignorance is bliss. The idealism of, of wanting to achieve gives you an, and the, the blind motivation to keep going, desire to keep going. You then just simply walk down the rough path all on your own. You just keep going because you, you, you're drawn to it. You're inspired. You, you're inspired. But if, on the other hand, you hit a certain age where you go, I'm already busy, I'm already occupied, I have a calling for this, you then make a far more clinical judgment call. Yeah, the calling's not that strong. <laughs> and, and you might, in fact, draw back a little bit and go, okay, there is what I'm up to. There are commitments I've already got, obligations I've got. Yeah. So... Because you have, by the way, like you and I have, we've talked about this in the past. So I have a thing about timeframes and you have a things about costs. So yeah. I worked out many years ago that things took three times longer than my idealistic self uh, thought at the time. So I could and see I had it as being twice as much. Twice as much. <laughs> so there you go, everybody. Three times as long and twice as much. And if you start off with that, that's a great thing. But again, don't dampen your enthusiasm. I often think from a metaphoric perspective, as we're talking, mothers, you know, baby comes out and mum's like, oh, look at this beautiful <laughs> thing. Look at this beautiful, beautiful thing. And that, that beautiful, beautiful thing, sorry for the language, but it just, you know what it does in its pants. And then it's just awake <laughs> all night. And so thank God for the, the, that inspiration right because that's what carried you through those painful times anyway so uh he up he, he had, had gone so far hit the wall realized i can't get all this done so quick map this is what we discussed last week but really good to go through that based on what we're talking about today so sat down with him we mapped out all the tasks he had to do to uh, complete his business successfully to bring it to the to, to the the next place that needed to go to all the tasks all the roles then we looked at what he was doing and he was doing them all or trying to but he couldn't anymore and so we well, went to well as much as much as he he was he knew what he needed to do there were significant avoidance tactics in doing the things that did not gel that did not source in, uh, create inspiration for him that did not give him the joy of, of delivery because being a trailblazer and a motivator there are things that bring you great joy in the things that you want to do so um and be not being an evaluator and not being a stabilizer there were things that he was looking to avoid and he was very successful at doing that and <laughs> and, and more power to him consequence though is that there are some gaping holes that need plugging up and they're going to need plugging up fairly rapidly C correct well and also case in point with that when he first, when I first started working with him, I could see the, the gaps based on his profile. And I surrounded him and introduced him to everybody with the opposite profile to him. Stabilizer, evaluator, really good attention to details, re overall the finances, overall the legal stuff. And of course, and this comes back to what we talked about last week and why we're talking about what we're talking about today. I reckon I haven't had the discussion, but I reckon he went and he looked, look at the cost of doing that. 
look at the cost of employing these people. And I don't think he wanted to, to, to take those costs on. Now he knows he has to, because by avoiding, he's still at the point where those things have to be done. That's where we go to team. So anything you want to say yeah, that before I move yeah. on to what we did? Those holes. So, okay, I invite you to think about the holes in your business. I invite you to look at the things that you are great at and, and wholeheartedly enjoy them, celebrate them. But I also invite you to look at the things that you actively avoid doing, the things that you leave on your desk for the longest, the things that you put aside for the longest period of time. They're the things that you don't like doing and begrudge doing. The hole that they create in your business will continue to grow in size until it becomes not insurmountable, but something that can't be avoided. And I encourage you to be in a position where that doesn't happen. How do you avoid having a hole that big? Your business comes to a grinding halt until this gets resolved. Activity comes to a grinding stop until this gets resolved. How do you avoid being in that position? And it comes from recognizing it, acknowledging it, not avoiding it or not hiding away or not hoping it's something that's, that, that it'll solve itself and little pixies at night will solve it for you. Recognize that it's not being done. Take action to delegate it to somebody who will do it. That way you will have a far smoother system and process flow for running your business. And it doesn't take you out of your highest dollar productive zone. It doesn't take you away from doing the things you enjoy or, or the business from being productive and, and um, it doesn't stop delivery on time in full of whatever you're delivering. So recognize what they are and then solve the problem. Don't keep wearing the problem as your own. Solve the problem. Think differently about how. And what we've talked about today is ways you can work into the idea of delegation into cheap and efficient, effective ways to solve it. Either create a system around it or employ somebody on a, on a again, the, the sort of contractor type approach um, who can solve it for you once trained and then you'll have greater flow. So businesses have blind spots. You have blind spots and businesses have blind spots. They will tend to come up and bite you on the proverbial when you least want them to. Um, look for the blind spots, actively, creatively go out and see where are you weak and what are you avoiding to do? Brandon, uh, in the next podcast or the one after i'd like to give everybody a model they can use and you'll get this so just quickly we'll touch base on it you can actually profile a business with the four quadrants so you can put the departments into the different quadrants okay you'll get this as soon as i say it yeah so we'll give everyone a map to do this as an example accounting is under the evaluator quadrant then what we'll do, so once we start to get all those different departments within a business within the quadrants, we now map the profile of the owners of that business, whether that's one person, two people, three people, four, whatever it is. And we will start to see where the owners are deficient. So as an example, if you've got two trailblazers, uh, two, two motivated trailblazer business owners, we can almost guarantee that 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 business will be weak in the departments that fall under the evaluator especially and then secondly the stabilizer departments so it's a really good way of just using a, a a basic system to analyze where your your blind spots are personally and within your business structure 
and your business structure blind spots will follow your personality ones. That, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's, there's no avoiding that. So yeah. our encouragement to you is to start to investigate again. The, you'll notice a common theme over the multitude of podcasts that we do. The common theme is know thyself. Um, the, the more you know you, the more you identify what you're great at, what you're, you're going to bring you joy and fulfill your life. The more you know about you, the more you see what you delegate and don't, well, what you need to delegate, what you don't like, what you avoid doing and, and brings you down and burdens you and causes burnout. The more you can delegate that out, the more you can manage that, systemize that, the more joy you will have and the more successful you'll be. There will be a common theme that you'll see persistent through these podcasts that all the the peripheral stuff that we talk about is centered around um successful businesses successful people take the time to know themselves and do what they enjoy great people work on their strengths and delegate their weaknesses and our encouragement to you is start to to hone your skill and ability in managing self great great insight Brendan. great 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 so how's this story with this guy that you've been talking about and where is he at now? And I'm going to round it up. Yep. Going to round it on up. Okay. So again, laid out all tasks and roles, looked at, um, you know, what he was doing. He was doing all of them. Um, and as you quite rightly said, some it was sort of quarter doing one tenth doing trying to avoid him. Um, then we looked at his strength and his gifts based on his profile. So we allocated, all tasks that suited his um, strengths to him. And then any tasks that weren't within his strength profile, we started to package up and look at who could we get to do those tasks for him. And two of those tasks meant he was going to the offshore um, freelancers, hence this checklist. So pretty simple. You, you can see in that story, it's actually a model for working out what you should hold on to and what you should delegate. The conclusion that I would draw for you is take on, take on a business idea. Every business has problems. Every, every business has difficulties. Every business requires a consistent application to resolution of issues that come up. What I call learning Take, opportunities. Learning opportunities. <laughs> Problem Love learning it. opportunities. Love it. Okay. Take on the idea though, rather than, rather than dwelling in the problem. I've got a problem. I've got a problem. And you just turn circles in a problem. You're in overwhelm. You're in, in, in uh, burden. Um, you're in overcommitment. Fighting fires and the fires are winning. Um, rather than dwelling in the idea of I have a problem and I'm, I'm in a problem come from the perspective of there is no idea, there is no problem in business that doesn't already have a solution. All you need to do is find it. All you need to do is look and see what is already existing as a solution to the problem. Because if you take on that there is a solution that's already there and you think about where that solution is and just sourcing that solution, you don't know what the solution is as long as you know where to find it, then you are far more likely to step out of the problem and be in solution than you are dwelling in, dwelling in the problem. There's a productivity, there's a solution, there's, there's a way to go forward as a result of that. And delegation may in fact be one of those significant 
problem-solving exercises. So look for contractors that are cheap and efficient, that are cost-effective and efficient, um, that you can employ for the purpose of delegating that which you don't enjoy doing. Guys, I hope that's been supportive. I hope that has been insightful for you. Until we meet again, invest wisely. See ya. Thanks, Brendan.